The Toho gang follow the legendary swordsman, Musashi Miyamoto, as he takes on love, honor, and farming. It's a dynamic double feature in episode 61, Samurai 2, Duel at Ichijoji Temple, and Samurai 3, Duel at Ganryu Island. Hello and welcome to another episode of Toho Yaro. I'm your host for this episode, Alex, and with me as always is V. Hi. And Joey. Hello. And uh, we're doing something a little different this episode. Um, mm. We uh, we are going to be doing somewhat of a double bill. Um, we covered a few years ago. This is, a, I guess, a sequel episode to an episode that we did four years ago about. We're covering the latter two of a trilogy. And mm-hmm. by the latter two, I am referring to um, the Samurai Trilogy. Uh, we're going to be uh, covering Samurai 2, the duel at Ichijoji Temple, and Samurai 3, duel at Ganryu Island. Um, yeah, we covered that first one, like, pretty early on within the first year of our show yeah we did it was it was our eighth episode i went back and re-listened to it and um uh, i know that at the end of last episode we were sort of teasing whether or not we were going to do just this uh just the second movie or maybe the second and third who knows but um after listening to the first episode, I was left with blue balls in a way because uh, <laughs> like, oh man, we only talk about the first movie and the first movie is literally just set up for the rest of everything. Yeah. Um, and in my opinion, all the all the really good stuff doesn't happen until these two movies anyway. Um, but uh, speaking of these two movies, have uh, either of you uh, seen these before? I'll start with you, V. I have not. Uh, I can't remember how much I talked about it last time. I've read the book Musashi, the which was originally a bunch of serialized uh, versions of the mythology of Miyamoto Musashi. Um, but I haven't actually watched all these movies before. So my, a, a lot of my experience with the first movie was wanting to get to the fireworks factory and uh, <laughs> never getting there. But I, I'm excited that we finally did in these two. Yes. How about you, Joey? Yeah, this is my second time around uh, with this trilogy. Um, I, you know, I think that this is another case of um, a movie that just I when I was moving through the old uh, Netflix DVD queue when that was a thing, um, I I just kind of checked off because I think I vaguely remember like always seeing this in the rental store and thinking it looked cool, but never checking it out. Um, and, and then, yeah, watching it through that first time and think it was all right. And then, um, and then, yeah, I, I do sort of seem to remember, uh, the, the basic conversation of the last episode that we talked about the part one being kind of like, this is okay. Kind of makes me want to watch the next two. Uh, but we like never (laughs) got around to it. Mm Yeah, this is my second time watching these. I I have had the Blu-rays forever. Um, I only watched them once, and now um, I watched them again. And uh, let me tell you, pretty good stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, 
because uh, so normally what we do uh, when we're posed with a uh, a movie where you know we've covered the director and actors before i usually tell people hey go check out our earlier episodes but since that's like a really early episode um don't worry about it uh <laughs> like if you want <laughs> check it out but um I'll, uh, I'll just regurgitate a, a little bit of information here. The film series uh, itself is adapted from uh, Eiji Yoshikawa's novel Musashi, uh, as V mentioned, uh, which was released as a serial in the uh, Japanese newspaper Asahi Shimbun between 1935 and 1939. The novel is itself is loosely based off of the life of the famous Japanese swordsman Miyamoto Musashi. Um and uh, Hiroshi Inagaki, the director, this is basically what he is famous for. Um, mm. He's he's had uh, a, a decent career, but this is his, I think this is his like shining work. This is what people know him for. Um, and the cast is, uh, so what, what we're going to do is, um, well, the cool thing about the cast and the really easy thing about this cast is that it carries over to, um, from the second movie to the third movie for the most part. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. Uh, so um, Musashi is played by Toshio Mifune. Um, the, uh, the one of the most famous Japanese actors uh, to American audiences. If if um, if that's not me um, being too uh, too presumptuous. No, I think that's true. That's yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, especially um, somebody that people know by name. You know. Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously. Um, he's, he's been in, uh, a butt ton of Kurosawa movies. Uh, he started his own film company. Um, he's, uh, he's somewhat of a legend. Uh, I recently watched a documentary on him, uh, that was on the Criterion channel, which is no longer on there, but hopefully they'll cycle it back up at some point called, uh, The Last Samurai. Uh, have either of you seen this? No, I haven't. It's, I haven't it's really either. awesome. Yeah, it's really dope. Um, I, I wish that I had written stuff down because um, there is a there there are a few things that I probably could have used for this particular episode. Um, but enough about Mifune. Let's talk about everybody else in the movie. Um, uh, the the role of Otsu is played by uh, Kaoru Yachigusa, um, and uh, she mostly appeared in period dramas, uh, a lot of Jidaigeki stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Joey might recognize her from. Uh, 1972 Torasan's dream come true as the Madonna. Oh, um, yeah. That was one of two Torasan movies that had come out that year, apparently. And uh, she had a lot of cool things to say about Mifune and working with him in the 2015 documentary. Um, particularly about playing, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the love interest of, of him in these movies. Um, and speaking of love interests, uh, Mariko Okada plays Akemi and, um, uh, she was previously in another Inagaki picture before that, The Lone Journey, but um, Toho Yaro listeners might uh, recognize her from a couple movies we've covered. Uh, she's been in Taxing Woman, uh, I don't know as who, but mm. uh, in Tampopo, she's the etiquette teacher. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like like I said, this is stuff that I, <laughs> I guess I've, I've we've gone over four years ago, but this is a bit of a refresher. Um. New to this now, uh, new to this movie is um, is Musashi's rival Sasashi Kojiro, played by Koji Tsuruta, um, and he's had uh, quite a bit of a career. Um, he's in Kunio Watanabe's Forty Seven Ronin, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Ozu's Tea Over Rice, 
So he's had a career himself. It's also yeah, a really this is a guy singer. I, oh yeah, this is a guy interesting tremolo. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> it's okay. I, I went and looked at some of the videos of him singing, and he's got a, a very interesting tremolo singing style. Mm, cool. Uh, tremolo <clears throat> is just the, the the kind of like vibrating warbly. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, his Wikipedia entry had him with a mic, so that makes sense. Works, <laughs> <laughs> um, Joey? Oh, just that he's a guy I recognize. I, I've seen, um, he's in a lot of kind of like, yeah, Jidai Geki, Yakuza type stuff. Um, usually as a pretty, um, at what I've seen, he's always, he's been a pretty like, uh, I don't know, kind of good guy, like a charismatic uh guy so i thought this was a kind of interesting role for him where he is a rival but he's also like kind of a sympathetic uh rival that has some charisma and stuff too uh yeah yeah he's got a bit he's he's a bit of a pretty boy Mm -hmm. i'd say uh to um to musashi's uh rough and tumble uh um look uh but yeah uh Tsurita was in a, a, a bunch of uh, yakuza films as well uh, an array if you will um uh in this particular movie uh Eijiro Tono shows up at the very beginning as old Baiken mm-hmm. um now Eijiro Tono of course is noted for being in every single movie um <laughs> <laughs> he's another like eternally old man <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, he has had roles, of course, in Kurosawa and Ozu Pictures, um, but he's mostly known um, as the titular character in the Jigaike period TV drama, Mito Komon. Uh, but yeah, Eiji Otono is in everything, um, and he's definitely been mentioned before on this podcast, uh, very recently even. Um, I guess because, yeah, he was in Seven, Seven Samurai as a, a minor role. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Uh, speaking of eternally old men, uh, shout out to Kokuten Kodo, who plays old priest Nikon in both of these films. Mm. Um, and uh, he is known for playing old men in every damn film. So that's <laughs> like if you look at his uh, if you look at his credentials, it's like old man, old wise man, old fisherman. Like it's, it's very yeah, old priest. He's very so recognizable, he's, though. So it's definitely like yeah. one of those. Oh, that guy. Yes. Yeah, uh, this movie, I, I think I, these seri- this uh, series of movies has it's like sort of a, a that guy uh, type um, cavalcade. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Yufujiki as a uh, Denshiro Yoshioka. Now this guy, um, this guy's had a hell of a career. Um, He's been in a bunch of stuff that we've we've seen and covered, but uh, it, it's just worth mentioning that from 1954 to 1970, he was in roughly five movies a year. Um, wow! Sometimes uh, seven or eight, but like uh, no 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 less than four um, for that like time period, which is absolutely <laughs> insane. Um, in his whole career, he appeared in more than 100 films from 1954 to 2005. Um, I should mention that he found a lot of success doing tokusatsu films. He was, uh, he's in a couple Godzillas, um, and he, uh, was in 51 episodes, which might be the entire series of Ultraman Leo. Oh, cool. Yep. Um, and as far as Samurai, uh, three goes, uh, it's, it's essentially the same cast except, uh, uh, shout out to a few people here. Uh, Haru, Haruo Tanaka as Kumagoro, the horse dealer. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love this character, so I had to include him. Uh, 
As an actor, he uh, appeared in over 250 films, both uh, Gendai Geki and uh, Jidai Geki, by directors such as uh, Ozu, uh, Kenji Mizuguchi, Sadao Yamanaka, Kurosawa, uh, Tomu Chida, uh, Mikio Naruse, and uh, Masahiro Makino. Uh, he's mostly known for playing like a, co- a comedic relief character, which he does in the in the Samurai Three quite well. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't men- uh, mention our our own Takashi Shimura, <laughs> <laughs> friend of the <laughs> show, <laughs> friend of the show, Takashi Shimura as Sadao Nagaoka, the court official, um, just doing his thing. I, I, uh, it's always lovely to see him in a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not a heavy role for him this time. No, I'm sure he was just like, oh yeah, I got time today. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All um, right. One more cast member I want to highlight is somebody who I wouldn't have recognized the first go around. Uh, Daisuke Kato as yes. Toji, uh, who was uh, Shichiroji in Seven Samurai. Ah, yeah. And in that yeah, Ozu yeah. movie, too. Um, mm-hmm. Autumn Afternoon, right? Um, yep. Yeah. He's great. Super great. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I guess now we'll go into the synopsis. I'll make it as brief as possible, but, uh, what I'll do is I'll just go through both movies since it's, uh, essentially this is the story of, of Musashi and Kojiro, which is the, the real famous, uh, the real famous duel. Um, uh, and of course you got to throw in all the soap opera stuff that, uh, is carried on from the first movie. Um, when we last left our intrepid hero, uh, Miyamoto Musashi, a.k.a. Takezo, uh, he um, went on a journey to achieve enlightenment rather than become a samurai. Um, he decided to become a ronin and learn uh, more about the sword in his own way. Um, of course, leaving behind uh, a, his old best friend, Matahachi, um, and uh, j- two jilted lovers, Akemi and, and Otsu. Of course, um, Otsu is his real is his real love. Mm-hmm. The movie opens up with a really cool fight with uh, old Baiken, played by Tono. Um, and uh, he wins, uh, and while being told by, an, by a, an old priest that he has no chivalry and won't be a true samurai. Um, a little boy, Jotara, watches this fight and then ends up becoming Musashi's ward. Meanwhile, um, in Kyoto, Otsu continues to wait for Musashi and by fate ends up meeting Akemi by accident. They bond over their longing. Um, unbeknownst, they're both longing for uh, Miyamoto Musashi. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, uh, meanwhile, uh, Toji comes and takes Akemi uh, to take her back to entertain a, uh, a dojo owner by the name of Seijiro Yoshioka. And of course, Toji and Oko discuss how rich they will be by pimping her out because she is so beautiful. Uh, and of course, Matahashi's still, he's still here. He doesn't really do a whole lot uh, until later <laughs> on in the movie, really. Yeah. He's, he, he's uh, a layabout usurper is what I will say, but it, you could barely even call him a usurper. So Musashi continues to challenge and whip folks, this time ending up at the Yoshioka Dojo. Seijiro, of course, um, sees his, his students and um, uh, is is going to duel Musashi, but um, Toji tells him that uh, Musashi Musashi's uh, going to, he'll, he'll kill you. Um <laughs> So, uh, so what, what they try to do is, um, attack him, but he leaves and, um, posts a note to, uh, Seijiro, uh, for a duel. Meanwhile, uh, Toji continue, uh, or, uh, he 
convinces Seijiro to have his brother Denshichiro uh, to fight uh, in his stead. And uh, <laughs> while, yeah, this whole uh, movie is him like sending other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's basically. I mean, I yeah, I, I could just be like, yeah, uh, yeah. Se- Seijiro continues to evade uh, battle with Musashi <laughs> until at one point he uh, fights him with like a hundred guys and gets killed. Um, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's basically <laughs> that's basically the movie. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, there's uh, there's you know soap opera y stuff. Um, mm. In regards to Akemi and Otsu, they, you know, Akemi and Otsu eventually realize who each other uh, is, and uh, now there's a rivalry between them. Uh, meanwhile, uh, in in preparation, of course, for his duel with um with uh, Denichiro, it's in a really cool uh, way to introduce a character. Um, uh, Musashi takes his sword to a polisher and sees a sword called a drying pole. Uh, AKA like laundry pole, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it means. Uh, I was like drying pole. That's an interesting, interesting. Yeah. Uh, because it's uh, a Nodachi. It's long, like a, uh, like a pole you would dry laundry on. Yes. That's funny. Especially a long, long sword. Um, saying that it belongs to, uh, a, uh, a man who is a, a sword fighter, but looks like an actor named, uh, Sasaki Kojiro. Um, and uh, and uh, Kojiro has a, um, a a presence in this movie where he just sort of uh, ends up following Musashi and and becoming enamored with with his uh, with his prowess, mm-hmm. and um, eventually declares him a uh, a rival. Um, so uh, I guess eventually, so eventually, um, the uh, the long and short of it. Uh, in in terms of Matahashi is that uh he's trying to impress his folks and um he ends up uh with the diploma um uh a diploma for from the uh, Chujo school uh which which belonged to uh Kojiro and uh tells his folks oh well um you know I'm I'm a good sword fighter look uh I have this and I changed my name to Sasaki Kojiro <laughs> um <laughs> so uh Eventually, once uh, once the final battle um, between uh, Musashi and, and Seijiro is uh, allowed to take place, uh, Seijiro, of course, brings uh, a whole bu- a whole bunch of dudes, um, about a hundred guys, and uh, Musashi uh, he basically routes them all um, and uh, defeats uh, Seijiro as well. Yeah, I love um, that scene in in the when he starts going into the rice paddies uh, to yes. try to kind of give himself an advantage, and they're they're all tripping through the water and stuff. It's, it looked really great. Uh, yeah, yeah, super super funny. Um, you know, there's some love triangly stuff with Matahachi Mat, and Otsu, um, but uh, once uh, Sasaki ends up um, running into him. In front of his parents, uh, Matahashi <laughs> says, uh, oh, well, you don't want to mess with me. I'm Sasaki Kojiro. And, and he says, oh, well, that's weird because that's my name. Oh, man. Um, I love that scene. I saw in uh, uh, one review I saw of this movie, somebody mentioning that in, I think, in the source material, like there's a lot more <laughs> with him pretending to be Kojiro. Um, I would believe that. Which would be interesting. Like, I kind of like that. It's a funny subplot. Akemi and um, Otsu have an interesting... Uh, rivalry in this movie um 
where uh, Akemi is, you know, uh, threatened, of course, but she uh, she sees Otsu as a fr- as a as a rival and will you know no doubt be watching her. Takuan from the from the first movie, the priest that uh, basically ties Musashi up. Um, uh, is um, well, his role in the movie is basically to to uh, continue, like to repeatedly turn uh, Otsu into a nun, basically. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, he's trying real yeah. hard. Yeah, he is. He he really is. Um, and and you know she repeatedly uh, attempts to get nun nunified as well, but um, eventually. <laughs> Eventually, uh, she she runs off to uh, declare her love for Musashi, and um, Musashi, of course, is is quite uh, quite uh, battle damaged, dino damaged, if you will, from his from his one hundred man duel. So he uh, uh, eventually um, meets Otsu again um, and throws himself on her, but. She refuses his advances, and then uh, he leaves, declaring he will never love another woman again, um, making him one of their very first full cells in uh, <laughs> Japanese history. <laughs> and uh, and um, of course, Sasaki is overseeing all of this, and uh, you know, wishes him luck on his next big adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's the end of the that's the that is the end of Samurai Two. Um, and we we sort of pick off we, we pick up um, in an undetermined amount of time um, at first. Uh, uh, Musashi is traveling with Jotaro, his ward. Um, but uh, at this point, Jotaro seems to be a teenager. Um, so yeah. I figured at first that it was uh, several years later, but it's only a year. Uh, kid really sprouted. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, 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 Musashi. Um, Abandons his life as a as a Ronin, um, and he just sort of wanders, uh, trying to better himself. But then again, uh, the Shogun tries to recruit him as a teacher, um, and uh, he is eventually challenged by um, by Kojiro, uh, and uh, tells him to delay his fight um, for a year. Um, so he decides to uh, um, live on a village and during the year he assists the villagers against um against bandits um meanwhile uh in edo sasaki kills four samurai um and uh musashi uh, it gets his attention basically he goes to see what's up sees the note from sasaki um and uh while he's burying the bodies they agree to um, eventually fight one another but um, on the day that the fight is supposed to happen, Miyamoto decides um, to send a note uh, saying, just kidding, um, we'll meet in another year. Uh, and um, in this entire year, um, Miyamoto Musashi, Jotaro, and his uh, latest pupil, Kumagoro, the horse dealer, um, start a small village. Um, they, they, in in what I, I would say um, predates um, uh Mr. Miyagi by a lot, um, uh, using chores, uh, to explain how to train (laughs) at one point, Kumogoro says, Oh yeah. When are we going to learn how to sword fight? And he's like, Oh, well we plow the fields. That's how we learn how to sword fight. Mm -hmm. Um, very similar to the wax on wax off sand floor. Um, yada, yada, yada. Of course made me Uh, think of delivering milk in dragon ball. 
Yes. <laughs> I, I recently watched um, uh, Karate Kid for the very first time, so that's uh, that's ah, right. on my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so eventually, Akami and Otsu both make their way to the village, um, and uh, of course, their rivalry uh, heats up. But um, this is not before uh, Akemi sort of makes a deal with the local bandits. Um, of course, she wants she doesn't want to kill Miyamoto, but you know the bandits are like, yeah, well tough uh you're gonna help us out either way um so uh she basically goes to the village and uh tells them that oh yeah the bandits are um they they're giving up it's fine so during a uh a a um, late night um celebration um akemi and otsu are alone uh akemi challenges otsu to a duel which erupts in a huge fire which the bandits see and which was originally going to be her um her, signal yeah her her starting her starting whistle for for the bandits attack uh the bandits completely uh route the village miyamoto does what he can to uh to kill the bandits and, and he eventually does but um of course uh it, it does come with a lot of loss many are killed including uh kumagoro um and uh and akemi um uh akemi as a matter of fact uh, ends up uh sacrificing herself to save otsu which um which ends her character arc brilliantly and uh and uh, eventually uh he decides to um uh set set off to duel sasaki finally um after a year uh they decide to meet on uh ganryu island for their fight and um uh to prepare for the fight Miyamoto uh, fashions a boken out of an oar uh, to um, to basically match sizes with uh, with Kojiro, which um, he eventually yeah, that does. Me. I think that was an interesting yeah. decision <laughs> to right? to go go into a, a sword fight with a with a wooden stick. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But it ends up uh, it ends up working out for him. He he defeats Sasaki in a in one of my favorite uh, sword fights I've ever seen on on screen, um, and of course he uh, he is unhappy about um, his victory. He calls him the greatest swordsman I will ever fight, and um, and he and he uh, boats off into the sunset, and that's mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's and that's quite the end of it. Um, so uh, there it is. There's there's uh, the remaining two thirds of the Samurai trilogy. What did y'all think, uh, V? I really enjoyed it. This has some. I, well, I don't think the actual fight choreography is as good as some of the other films that we've watched. The actual like framing and the way mm-hmm. these fights are shot is just really impressive. Um, I. I there's a lot changed from the books at which I read or I read the book a long time ago. So I only remembered like bits and pieces here and there, but uh, it was, is finally exciting to get to a lot of the, the things that I remembered from it, especially the, uh, the ultimate sword fight on Gunryu Island. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I did not watch rewatch the first movie before starting mm-hmm. this. I probably should have because it took me a minute to remember everybody's relationships. Yeah, uh, yes, but I got there I eventually. Also didn't do that, which uh, you could probably tell through my <laughs> through my haphazard um, retelling of of uh, 
of Matahashi's uh, of Toki and Oko, I, or Toji and Oko rather. I can't, I could not remember exactly who they were, but I, I do remember that um, that she tried getting it on with Musashi. Um, <laughs> Joey, your thoughts? Um, yeah, we've I'd... reached the end. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I like these films. I I think that um, I don't know. It's interesting. It's like. The Musashi Miyamoto story is such a sort of like, you know, almost the kind of like basic samurai story that so many other samurai stories build off of. And so in some ways it feels like kind of simple, but it's still really good. Um, And I think Mifune is excellent, of course. Um, I love the music. Um, The music, like. I think really helps guide each scene uh, really mm-hmm. effectively. And then there was that like heroes theme that I mm-hmm. had stuck in my head uh, for the last three days. <laughs> like <laughs> I definitely like really, really uh, enjoy and think it was great. Um, as far as the, the two movies, um, I don't know. I have kind of conflicting, not conflicting, but I have kind of mixed feelings. Like the, I think the second movie is maybe the strongest overall like mm-hmm. uh, start to mm-hmm. finish uh but because this this third one like i didn't really super lock into all the stuff with the villagers and the brigands and all that stuff um i think it's it's fine it, it's uh, it, it's actually kind of reminiscent of seven samurai uh just a, a little bit but like it doesn't it, it takes focus away from Musashi a little bit like I kind of wish there was a little bit more showing how he's feeling and how he's directly doing stuff with everybody and but then we get to that showdown and the showdown's incredible like it's so good um, that that's maybe you know kind of the best part well not the best one of the best parts of the whole series Uh, so the third film while being kind of uneven definitely has like very very strong stuff uh, in it. Yes. I think that the third film suffers from a, uh, a surplus of unnamed characters. Mm, yeah. Um, at the very least in the second one, you have the Yoshioka family, um, being the, uh, the primary antagonists and you kind of get to know, uh, Seijudo over the course of the movie. Um, like, and you, and you really learn to hate him too. Like he, you know, sexually assaults, uh, Akemi for mm-hmm. loving, uh, for loving um, Musashi and um, you know, you see, you see that, that, uh, that hatred for Musashi kind of built up over the movie and, um, and, and he's a cheat, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's sort of like a, uh, like this is, you want him to get his just desserts. Um, meanwhile, in the, uh, in the third movie, you have, you know, two nameless bandits basically. Um, yeah. Yeah course in the movie and when you of course what you're really waiting for is this uh much delayed battle with with kojiro that you know eventually that eventually happens and it's really great um yeah narratively it it feels like it's kind of spinning its wheels like they they put off the duel for another uh however long and we just don't have anybody to really feel fill that time with yeah. uh, in the same kind of way. Like I, I, I like having some stuff with Kumagoro cause I like his character a lot uh, and Jotaro, but yeah, there's just, just not a lot 
keeping my attention during that part of the movie. Yeah. But then at the same time, the villager plot does give us the kind of like conclusion to the love triangle plot, which I think was very strong, like the way Mm. Akemi dies and and she has that very like (laughs) that kind of heart. Uh, breaking line where she says like I, finally I'm in your arms when he's like cradling her as she's dying and uh, you know so I, I like like that's a thing that I thought was interesting is this sort of balance between the sort of like epic adventure hero dealing with like uh, self betterment and figuring out you know the relationship between being a swordsman and killing others and all this stuff and then on the other hand you have this sort of soap opera love triangle stuff uh which feels uh you know a little bit maybe cheaper or something but it it like gives a lot of kind of fun drama uh to it uh as well so i i kind of like that mixture um i'm go ahead and I was gonna say that I do like the I do like the mixture, but I, sometimes I feel like it's a lot. Like it's definitely hard to keep track of um, of the love triangle stuff sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah, and in the second movie, the summary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and in the second movie, they even throw in that other courtesan who's like yeah, a love, just the random lady, and she uh, is. Uh, speaking of cast, that's Michio Kogure, though. That's. Uh, for our listeners that are into one piece, that's the model for Momo Usagi. But, um, yeah. Uh, and I liked oh. her character fine, but it, it was pretty superfluous. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, the one that, uh, that Kojiro is in, in love with basically. Uh, he, no, yeah. The one that she's in love with Musashi. At Musashi and he like, I guess through his chivalry is, is chased and is like, no, I, this is not for me. Yeah. And she's like, right. I've never loved anyone, but you're the manliest man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Samurai is samurai. Which agree, I mean, but yeah, I mean, it's true. <laughs> have some dignity. Um, I was going to say, I really, I, I really miss having Madhachi in the third movie. Cause he, mm-hmm. once he, uh, runs into Sasaki and says, says that he's Sasaki. That's just kind of the end of his character arc where he's just like, oop. Um, but uh, in the in the book, I remember like it's it's very depressing, but things just keep getting continually worse and worse for him and his parents uh, as they just keep like jumping from like one scheme to another to try to like uh, uh, basically scam their way into better standing, and it just keeps backfiring over and oh, over. Boy. And I. I can't remember how it actually resolves or where they end up, but I, uh, along with one other change I wanted to talk about that it kind of ending his story there feels like truncating that. So it's not just this like depressing, Oh God, this is, this is so sad. Yeah. But you do miss him. I was wondering where he was in that third movie. Um, they could have like maybe played it for comedy just to have something else filling Mm -hmm. up that that saggy middle. I mean, they, uh, they pulled the, like the priest through the whole thing just cause mm-hmm. he's such a fun character and he basically has no more impact on the story after the first film. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, the other change that I wanted to mention was that, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, when, when he's going up, the, 
the sword school he's going up against in the third movie. They have three sons. He defeats the first one, kills the second, and there's one son left to defend the school, but he is a 12-year-old boy. Mm. Yes. Uh, And so the 12-year-old boy is standing under that lone pine tree, and they have an army basically guarding him, ready to kill Musashi. And Musashi just kind of runs through them all and beheads the 12-year-old boy, winning the day, and that's supposed to be a heroic moment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm kind of glad that they were like, mm, this might not play that well these days. Let's uh, change that up some. Yeah, I um, I watched the supplements that were included with the Blu-ray. There aren't many, but um, that was mentioned that like, yeah, the um, the Yoshioka uh, lineage uh, thing was a little bit different in the book. Um, what was also mentioned is uh, so. So in the final battle between Kojiro and Musashi, mm-hmm. um it appears that he uses his second sword to deliver the killing blow, but, um, but you know, it's sort of not really too clear, uh, in the, um, in the movie, but in mm-hmm. the, uh, in the book or in, or in life, um, it, it's been, I think confirmed that, uh, that the killing blow was with the wooden sword. Like he oh. was bludgeoned. Yeah, there's actually conflicting reports of how that ended, whether or not he actually killed, uh, Kojiro in that duel or I've heard or read some uh, accounts where Kojiro survived, but with serious mental impairment from having a giant wooden stick hit him in the head. Wow. Um, but he survived uh, and went to Brazil. (laughs) Um, but it is fascinating that, that in the, in actual historical record of, uh, Musashi that, that he really did feel such regret after that battle with, with Kojiro that he never had another duel to the death ever again in his life. Um, he mostly wow. retired. He, he stopped being an active duelist and went on to become a teacher painter and, and I guess Renaissance man of that era. Yep. I love that. With the I, book of five I, rings. Yep. I do kind of wish that the third movie had ended with at least just kind of like, even if it was just over music, like him reuniting with Otsu and like, and seeing a little bit more of his life, uh, kind of returning to the, those that he left behind rather than just, uh, playing off, uh, well, the sword fight's done, so we're done with this. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's it was a really interesting choice that they ended the movie there. But I think, like, thematically, it's it was appropriate because, like, he decided that as much as he loved Otsu and Otsu loved him, that wasn't what his life was about anymore. Yeah. It was about becoming a samurai. And as um, something I wanted to talk about was the, like, weird samurai tips that show up. Um. Oh, yeah. Like when he says he swears off women, there's overlaid kanji, uh, like repeating that. Oh, yeah. Or when he goes to pray at the temple and says, uh, as as a samurai, I will not rely on the gods or something. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that that didn't happen often enough for it to be a recurring thing. Um, Yeah, Yeah, it was a weird choice. I could. Yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah, I, I. it would be cooler if there was a little bit more of that. Uh. Which, like, some of that may, like, I th- it, it feels a little ham-fisted, but I do like the insight into the lessons he's learning. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like uh, he he just verbalizes it when he tries to take the the four dead samurai back to their master, and their master is like, "Those are no students of mine. They wouldn't. My students wouldn't have died in the street." And he he actually I think says out loud, "I have learned a lesson today." Um, mm. But yeah, it would have been some consistency with that, where like the overlays were weird, but also kind of neat if we had gotten more of that as he learned. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would be really good for a um, for a TV series. Like at the end mm-hmm. of the episode, there'd be like, oh, well, this is... I, I mean, they could easily do that. The Book of Five Rings is basically just, this is how to be a samurai. Yeah, it's just, he, he literally wrote the instruction booklet. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that... Um, v, you brought up a really good point, too, about, the, about how the fights, like the choreography, they're not really that spectacular, but the shots are what really make them. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I think I wrote down like a lot of my favorite shots in this entire, uh, in this uh, over the course of the, of the, the two movies. And a lot of them are during battles. Like the battle with Baiken, I think is incredibly cool just because of how it's framed. Um, that final shot of Baiken, like, uh, getting like felled is so cool. I don't know. Like it's very, this is, it's, it, you can see where, you know, anime borrows a lot of its mm. samurai style from like that kind of, these kind of fights. Um, the swallow turn, uh, Kojito's famous move, you know, that's, that's such a, uh, that's such an aped technique, um, within, uh, samurai, uh, manga and anime, right? Like yeah. the, and yeah. video games and video games, especially video games. <laughs> um, the, it, 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 it did irk me a little bit that the swallow cut in the film, they decided to, uh, basically, decide that that was him actually being able to cut a swallow out of the air. Um, more, more modern, um, interpretations of historical record believe that the swallow cut technique probably referred to a, uh, V shaped cut of, uh, down and then up. Um, which is the, the inverted V or up and then I can't remember, but the, uh, inverted V is the shape of a swallow's tail. That, that makes more sense versus uh, okay. like, Oh, this is a, this is an attack that can kill a swallow. Um, <laughs> the, the, the most, uh, <laughs> the most hard to hit of all of nature's predators. Um, uh, but an interesting fact related to that, uh, uh Gonryu Island is an actual place. Uh, you can go visit it. On Ganryu Island, they have a really cool pair of statues of uh, of Kojiro and Musashi uh, nice. in battle. And the, uh, uh, the Musashi statue is like he's uh, jumping forward and has like a big snarl on his face and looks really angry and, and aggro with his big book in. Uh, and then the uh, Kojiro statue just looks like super calm and very handsome, hmm. but he's actually got a weird like reverse grip with one of his hands. That, uh, is how they think he did the, the like quick V cut oh. is using that grip. That's interesting. That's cool. That's cool. I got to look up those statues. Sounds cool. I think I mentioned this. Um, I mentioned this, uh, when we covered the first, uh, the first film, but, uh, when I went to Kyoto in, um, in 2010, I, accidentally completely by accident um on a lark didn't know anything about this place i went to ichijoji temple um not oh, wow. knowing anything about it um 
And that was the first, and I saw the pine tree. Like they still have, uh-huh, um, nice. like they have the pine tree. Of course, it's just the stump, but it's there. Um, and they have like a little plaque, uh, about, um, Nusashi. And then they have some, uh, pictures of Mifune and, uh, and, and, you know, some, uh, stills from this movie. Um, I also read, uh, that, um, th- this is one piece related that, um, Musashi spent his final days uh, and um, died in Kumamoto, which is where mm. Eiichiro Oda is from. So I'm sure that there's a something there That's as an well. Interesting connection, yeah. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to. Uh, I I, I want to correct myself from the last uh, episode that we did um, four years ago. Not that people are going to really care, <laughs> but I mentioned that. Uh, the the Ichijoji Temple battle was really cool because he kills uh, like a hundred guys with a boken, um, and I was definitely confusing it uh, for that mm-hmm. the final battle. Yeah, um, yeah. I, it was it was crazy. I was rewatching. I'm like, I swear to God, I thought he used a boken, and then I just kept <laughs> looking shit up. I'm like, no, he's he killed dudes with a sword. Uh, so yeah, that was that was my bad. Uh, that was me misremembering. Um, but that's fine. But hey. He did yeah, use my, a book and eventually my two pieces of video game trivia for this episode. One, uh, bike and the character from guilty gear is named after the, the bike end that fights with the, um, Sarigama at the beginning of the, the second film, hmm. um, which she's only very loosely based like in name. She does have some moves with a, uh, but she has a claw at the end of her chain instead of a comma. Oh, cool. Um, but the other thing is, uh, I first got into learning about uh, Miyamoto Musashi when uh, playing Ninja Gaiden on the original Xbox, because one of the uh, the most powerful weapon in the game, when you buy it from the store, it starts out, uh, I can't remember if it starts out or if the final upgrade turns it into an ore. And I was like, why is this more powerful than a sword? <laughs> that's cool. That's interesting. I like and that. that's like, really cool. Yeah. Trying to figure out why, why the hell is this ore in the game uh, <laughs> led me to like read about Mifune and, or not Mifune, uh, Musashi Mimoto. And then uh, it was years after that, that I ended up uh, finally reading the whole book. Oh, that's awesome. Well, speaking of video games, um, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but the, uh, the, in the Pokemon anime, um, Team Rocket, Jesse and James, of course, that's their uh, American names. And in Japanese, they are Kojiro and Musashi. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Never knew that. <laughs> Which is, uh, yeah, very, very fun. Um, like they, yeah, so, so calling them Jesse and James is, uh, is a, a great localization, I think. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like so, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think I mentioned during our, our, uh, our recap that, that, uh, Musashi killed Seijiro, but no, I, I'm an idiot. Cause I even wrote down in my notes that Musashi sparing Yoshioka is like a defining moment for him. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like he, yeah. So, um, I don't have to edit that out too. Fun. <laughs> I've got my work cut out for this one. Uh, so, um, Favorite parts? I guess we can just like go around the horn because there's a lot of stuff to like about these movies. Um, yeah. <laughs> Joey, do you want to go first? Do you have a couple in mind? I mean, 
I mean, if I'm going first, I'm going to take that last duel. I mean, that's, <laughs> Go that, for it. yeah, I mean, that's that that duel is is incredibly well. Like, I can't I was just incre- incredibly like impressed that they were able like they timed it so well with the sun setting and just like the perfect spot with the like, you know, something out of their control. But the clouds were like perfectly arranged to just frame the sun too and uh and looking at that light like shining off of the water and and going uh behind uh mifune at times and things like that it was just like was so so cool looking and so well composed and and um another thing that i really like about that fight is that um a lot of times the final showdown in a um chambara movie can be too short or too long you know it can be very 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 short and that's sort of the point you know uh but it always does leave you a little wanting (laughs) even if it's really cool and sometimes uh when they get really long uh it can kind of reduce the impact a little bit uh, but I feel like this was like perfect. Like the the tension was uh, really high and you got a few moments of them like really going at each other and and a few moments of of the sort of like staring each other down and and kind of walking back and forth and stuff like that. And I just thought it was uh, really expertly done and uh, definitely the highlight uh, and great that the whole series kind of leads up to this uh, high point uh, for sure. <laughs> My favorite part about that fight is when they are uh, running along the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, you don't, I don't think I've seen that a whole lot in, 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 in movies. Maybe I just haven't watched the right ones, but I love that. That's one of my favorite, like, oh yeah, two samurai fighting like tropes. Mm-hmm. They're running alongside each other. And like one's like in the that. water and one's on the sand. Uh, yeah. So good. I also love that that's not like when you see that in anime and stuff, it's usually just like an aesthetic thing to have these two swordsmen just pointlessly running alongside each other. But like the, I know I talked down a little about the choreography earlier, but this fight is incredible uh, because like that movement is not about them just like running along a beach for a good shot. It, it is actually like, Musashi trying to keep the sun to his back because he knows that it's hampering uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Kojiro. So, like the it's it's an actual like fight choreography thing that makes sense the way that they're moving around. Uh, and I, I I do love the high tension. Uh, I much prefer the final duels that are just like over in in just like one move. Uh, because I, I, in samurai films, I don't super love the like big clashing sword duels. I either, mm-hmm. I like it when it's like a flash and then over, or if it's just one guy plowing through like 50. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's my favorite. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but this, it, it's a longer fight, but it's mostly that kind of like posturing and the like, I, I know that anime and stuff talks about it and a lot of things like the, the killing intent or, or what is it? Uh, semi or, or whatever the, the power that a person exudes, uh, when they're fighting. Uh, but like, that's, you really get the sense of that pressure on each other as they kind of like, 
are, are, are facing each other and altering stances. And you do get a couple like brief moments where you think it's about to be all over mm-hmm. where they go in, but it just keeps ratcheting up until finally it happens. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that you brought up the, the, um, the sunset and time of day. That's such a hard thing to do. And back then that's not something that you can like fix and post. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that, um, yeah, I, I think this was shot in, uh, Eastman color, which was the, uh, which mm. followed Technicolor. Um, and, and this, something that I noticed about this, about these movies is that the colors really pop. It's a very colorful mm. couple of movies. Um, no, I really like and, Eastman color. It's a really cool, like you get a, a really cool range of colors and it's got a good feel. Uh, a lot of like Western movies from not, not Westerns, but movies from like, uh, the, the West, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the sixties and seventies are, are filmed in Eastman color. And it just gives things that like really nice, rich look. I think, yeah. uh, 2001 space odyssey notably. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The, um, the kimono is really pop. Like all, anything Sasaki is wearing, uh, the greens and the blues, they really, I don't know. They, they really set this movie, uh, apart from a lot of other movies just because of, um, how saturated the colors are in, mm-hmm. in a good way, of course. Yeah. Akemi um, has some good, uh, bright kimonos as well. Yeah. Um, uh, v, did you have a favorite moment or moments that you uh, wanted to cover? There's a lot of cool smaller things, but I mostly wanted to talk about the Ichijoji Temple duel. Uh, we talked a little bit about it, but that's another thing where like you have this cool set piece of them like pouring into the rice paddy fields for him, but that's like still a tactical decision. He has mm-hmm. taken this like one path above the paddies uh, where everybody else is slogging through. So he has like a way to fight against all these people. Um, I really like when he's, uh, when the fight first starts the, and then the transition to the rice paddies, just the wide shot of that whole field and the tree. And this is another thing that like, I don't know if, this was if it was like a composite shot from a sound stage or if they just got that lucky with like wind blowing trees in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just looks so impressive with all those guys just closing in on on lone Musashi. The environments in general are something that I really love about this series. I I, I seem to remember uh, being struck by that uh, in our previous episode about this like it has this this plus the music has this very kind of like speaking of westerns uh this kind of frontier vibe uh that is uh american frontier uh type thing that i think looks like really cool a lot of this sort of tall yellow grasses and and pine trees and and things like that that and in that that duel um uh, at the end of the second movie, that was something I was definitely kind of really <laughs> had my eyes popping was was looking at all the environments around them and how cool it looked and how well it was shot. Yeah, um, I, I was trying to look for matte paintings because that's, I don't know, something I like to do in older movies. But yeah. um, everything like everything on these sound stages like was super seamless. Uh, and um 
one cool thing about the Ichijoji Temple uh, battle that I think is really awesome is that you're able to see the action very clearly. And that's something that um, that you sort of lose in some black and white films, I think, mm-hmm. is that like you can not just see the action clearly, but like you can see the environments really well. And um, and Inagaki is just really great at framing shots. Um uh, they're, and they're very deliberate shots too. Um, uh, in that particular duel, um, this has nothing to do with Inagaki's shooting style, but I noted <laughs> that, um, that Mufune moves like a tiger. Like he's, <laughs> he's like, he's really fierce. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's cool to see him just sort of, I don't know, he, Mifune he's good at playing those types of characters. These, these rowdy, uh, rough and tumble, um, wild childs. I mean, of yeah. course I'm thinking about his character in, in seven samurai, but I, I think he's got that, like he, he has that fire. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the Kezo before he gets tamed by Taquan. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Right. Cause he's sort of, um, he's sort of, uh, fighting all those guys. He's sort of backed, backed into that. Right. Like, mm. Well, okay. You want to see me fight? Well, now I got to fight. Like you, you did this. <laughs> you, you've, uh, you've unleashed the, you've unleashed the beast, you know, like get, you've, you asked for the claws. <laughs> Here they are. Um, I, I think that's good. Uh, good phrasing because Musashi in like both historical record and in, in the books is he was just like, regarded as being just kind of very savage and fierce and powerful. And, uh, Mifune really embodies that kind of like bestial nature of, like you said, stalking around like a tiger and then just being like very dangerous when he does strike. Yeah. Um, gosh, I, I'm glad that you, you two took the, um, as far as favorite scenes go, I'm glad that you took the big battles. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I wrote down a couple. They're smaller scenes. Was it Kojiro who t- cuts off the top knot of the guy in the second yeah. movie? Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, Kojiro. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, if you're at all familiar with with samurai and 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 the importance of of your hair and and, and social status, like that's such a big deal, and it's such a great way to disrespect your opponent. Um, I don't know. I, that kind of stuff gives me the chills. Um, I also love that scene too. Um, when Kojiro is watching from the bridge, it's such a cool shot. Like the moonlight lights him up perfectly. And, uh, it sort of is representative of how he isn't in, in that movie where he's always in the shadows watching Musashi, but doesn't mm. actually like get to get to actually talk to him or, or, um, or interact with him very much. Um, I yeah. I want to say that that also informs you a lot about Kojiro in that scene for a character mm-hmm. who like we don't really get to see too much fighting, um, but yeah, it informs you so much because he's like he he doesn't want to fight Toji because he knows that Toji is just like beneath his notice, yeah, and he's like he, instead of. Uh, kind of like refusing to fight and trying to just move away. Like we know Musashi would, uh, he's like, well, if you want to, we're going to do this. And then it doesn't kill him, but does the, just the most 
both badass and shaming thing he could possibly do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Another one of my favorite scenes. I love this scene so much. Uh, It's in the third one uh, where uh, Jotaro and Musashi are at the inn and they're eating and, um, and uh, Jotaro tells the bandits um, or uh, basically the, I would say the equivalent of a biker gang, except they're on horses. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Kumargoro's guys to please be quiet. And then he opens the, yeah. uh, yeah, he opens the door and, um, and, you know, is, is basically posturing and, and barking at him and, uh, challenging Musashi, uh, to a duel and Musashi's just not even paying him any mind, but instead, um, he's using his chopsticks to capture all the flies that are all over his food. And he's like, <laughs> oh, there's too many of them. And, and then Kumogoro sees this and like is shitting his pants and, uh, immediately wants to become a disciple of, uh, of Musashi. Um, yeah, that's great. That, it felt like a very Zatoichi, uh, yes. move. <laughs> the only thing missing from that scene is it, instead of just the cold cut to the next scene, he should, should have been like, what's your name again? <laughs> yeah. He, he throws a lot of shade at him too. He goes, uh, speak louder. I'm hard of hearing. Uh, <laughs> when he's already yelling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I like, um, um, as the little cap to that scene when they all, spill down the stairs and it's just a big mess and you can't like hear what anyone's saying but he's like mimicking uh mifune like uh with the chopsticks so you can see that he's like telling everyone oh did you see that that was crazy you know Um, yeah yeah that's that's one of my favorite scenes but i I, my favorite part i think is the part right after where you just see him like practicing in the courtyard super excited that musashi is going to teach him yeah it's really cool um, I love, I love, I also love when they're on the, uh, on the road together and, uh, and Jotaro says, well, I was his pupil first. So you have to call me Jotaro-san. Um, and Kumargo is like, okay, Jotaro-san. Like he's very, uh, he's, he, he's going to do anything at this point to become, uh, a great, a great samurai, I, even if he has to I listen do love to the a lesson kid. of like, and being like masters or, masters must be kind to their vassals or whatever when he starts getting like too shitty towards him mm-hmm. <laughs> um but it's it, it like those mo- i i really love kumagoro as a character he's some great comic relief and it is incredibly sad when he is uh fighting the bandits and dies mm-hmm. yeah uh, and jotaro rushes over and he tells jotaro he was a, a true teacher to him it's just so heartbreaking yeah, for a character that we we didn't get to know too well, his death is really um it's really effective. Um and really sad and uh I would I would say that yeah, even like Akemi's death is also sad and uh she has this really great moment of redemption. Um but she's also had a three movie arc. And when you compare uh when you compare that to Kumagoro who's basically just been in the movie for like I don't know, like 30 minutes. Um yeah, it, it the- goes to show you how effective that is. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Uh, the Akemi death, like, uh, I mean, I spoke on that earlier, but it it took me by surprise a little bit how emotional that moment uh, took me because I personally wasn't as invested in her story arc. Yeah. Um, I, I was very invested in Otsu and was always very upset that everything <laughs> sucks so bad for her. But like, um, but Akemi, I was always just kind of like, okay. 
but then uh, she has a very compelling final uh, moments in in the movie uh, that I found surprisingly moving. Yeah, I, I wrote down in my notes that she has evil eyebrows and sort <laughs> of uh, uh, and, you know, her, I guess, behavior sort of reflects that a little bit. But mm-hmm. she's just someone in love and people do crazy things in their love. So it's she's got probably the most depth of character of anybody in the film series because she's yeah. she is often like unlikable. She does bad things, but she's also incredibly sympathetic because mm-hmm. she's like. She was supposed to be with Musashi. Otsu was supposed to be with Marahachi. And yeah. and then all that, like, Otsu just kind of crashes in after Akimi has, like, already staked her claim. But she, like, goes through all this stuff. They Like, Toji and her mom try, like, conspire to pimp her out. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, she she finds out from the bandits on the road that they killed like Toji is with them because the bandits killed Oko and it's just like, she's been through so much and she just wants love, but she keeps like falling in with these dastardly people and just kind of like going along with them. And Otsu comparatively, she's just like, Otsu is just very kind and patient. Yeah. And uh, and, and in the end, uh, from what we see in the movie, neither of them ended up with Misashi because he's got other things in his heart now than love for these women. Yeah. He's, but, he's, uh, uh, he's, he's in love with the sword. The- but yeah, I, I think like it's, it's not surprising that Akimi's death kind of uh hit so hard it it just kind of sneaks up on you though yeah mm-hmm. so actually back to Akemi and Osu uh, I think they're they have an interesting uh, uh their appearances in the third movie um are are interesting uh in that they're mirrored um when Akemi shows up she is you know a geisha she's wearing very elegant clothing and then when Otsu shows up she is um you know she's wearing uh her, uh, her gasa, she's dressed as a peasant. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, uh, they sort of, and, and their scenes sort of come, uh, one after another. And I do wonder, um, how intentional that was. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, what is it? Ah, and, uh, and Miyamoto's journey. I mean, this is uh, kind of obvious, but I wrote this down because I thought it was, it'd be good to bring up on the podcast that the journey of Miyamoto is one of humility. Um, and Kojiro is kind of his like perfect foil mm. because at one point, you know, they were the same, um, but Kojido sort of, um, you know, he got his renown, you know, and he sort of stuck there. But Musashi um, sort of uh, dismissed that and he kept going um, to better himself um, and and sort of uh, go beyond, uh, go beyond what uh, Kojido achieved. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, I think that's a very cool, like, it's very cool that, that Kojiro shows up and, and you see his journey too. Cause it's, it's like, ah, this is what would have happened if, uh, if Musashi hadn't, um, gone off on his own. Yeah. He There's, keeps kind uh, of ascending the ranks and getting fancier and fa- fancier accommodations and <laughs> yeah and whatnot. I want to, I want to build on this, but I'm going to save it for another segment. <laughs> Okay. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Great. Well, speaking of other segments, um, 
Gosh, uh, we did favorite parts. What's next? Uh, I guess we'll do, um, shall we dance? Yeah. Hmm. I think this is so intrinsically a Japanese story. Um, both because it's based on their actual history and like, like you can't make a Western version of this and, I mean, you shouldn't. No, you definitely shouldn't. (laughs) But like, I don't think there is a good way to do it that keeps the integrity of the story in these characters. No, but he's a space samurai. And (laughs) oh, God, (laughs) what I do, what I would like to see is an updated um, Mm -hmm. Musashi uh, series of movies, though. Um, obviously Japanese, but, uh, but I, I also think that like, if done right, maybe a HBO mini No, actually, no, take that. I take that back. <laughs> There'd be far too much sex and, and, and needless violence. But a, a um, Japanese drama TV series, uh, yeah, a taiga I, I think drama that, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think that with, um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of interesting that, uh, you know, when you talk about, the Musashi story, this is sort of, uh, when it comes to media, you know, the book, of course, but this gets brought up. Um, and these are, this, these are movies from the early fifties, you know, like he, I, I'm, I'm, it's sort of how I'm shocked that there hasn't been like a full blown remake, um, of Wizard of Oz yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like that's something that's in the, the U S public domain. I'm sort of shocked that there hasn't been any sort of large undertaking, um, on the Japanese side of things to, a, like reboot, so to speak, um, Musashi and Kojiro, you know? Yeah. I mean, there I'm, are other adaptations I'm not sure. Of it, like Vagabond, the manga is, is the story. <laughs> oh, and I'm sure there's uh, just about to bring that. up Vagabond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, but yeah, it's been adapted into other things and there are probably like a couple movies and, and things that are out there that are straight up adaptations, but obviously none of them have had the like, cachet of this this original take yeah i'm sure there are that we're just not aware of um there probably have been those those uh you know those 50 episode hour long uh tv dramas and stuff i'm sure there's one that's about this story all right um well that's it for shall we dance uh the takashi shimura award um I can tell you right off the bat, uh, Takashi Shimura, even though he's in the third movie, I don't think he'll be getting this award. No. Um, <laughs> this time. But, uh, we, we, but, but, uh, Takashi, thank you for playing. Um, you get a lovely <laughs> copy of our home game. Uh, <laughs> Just happy to be here. That's right. Takashi Shimura Award. Who, uh, who was your winner? Um, let's start with, let's start with Joey, actually. Uh, I'm going to give this to Mifune. I, um, you know, when I was thinking about this, I was, I was thinking about the characters and I was thinking about, um, the main character, of course, and Mifune. And I was just like, um, I don't know. He's, you know, there's in some ways he's like, can be so stoic and so, uh, iconic that he could be boring, you know, could kind of, um, not stand out as much, but, Mifune is able to give him so much life and so much of that kind of like fire that you guys were talking about. And, um, also does have these really, really great 
moments, although often fleeting, where he has vulnerability. Uh, any scenes that he has with Otsu, basically, and he's like that moment that he breaks down crying uh, at the very end, mm-hmm. and um, and those are very powerful. So you know, I think that if I so then I thought about it and I was like, well, who you know <laughs> is Mifune actually you know not doing much or is he doing a lot? And 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 I was thinking about it and I you know. I just don't see any other actor being able to pull off their performance in the same way. Um, and so I think it's actually very impressive. And uh, so I just had to, had to give it uh, credit where credit's due <laughs> and give it, give there, it to him. There is a moment that I do want to mention that I completely forgot until just now, but I did note it in my head uh, in the third movie when, um, when Jotaro is like, Hey, Otsu's here, uh, you know, and uh, she's, you know, uh, she's, washing her face in the water, getting ready or whatever. And, um, and Mifune or or rather Musashi starts freaking out. It's like, uh, quick, quick, uh, get me some better clothes. Like, Mm -hmm. like, uh, it's, that's such a human moment. Like Mm -hmm. we've, I I feel like if, if that's somebody that you want to impress or somebody that you like, Oh, I can't, I can't look like this. Not like my shirt off. I'm sweaty. I've been working (laughs) all day. I can't look like this in front of the woman that I love. Like it's, I, I, that's such like a little moment, but I love that so much. Um, yeah, it's. Yeah. And I think that there's also, even in his sort of like badass sword fighting scenes, there's a lot of depth to his performance where you are seeing him kind of reluctantly fighting towards the end. And you also see moments where he's like really scanning when he's fighting these big groups, he's scanning people in a way that almost does seem a little scared sometimes. Uh, like, okay, there's a guy over there you know, make sure not to walk in that direction. And, and I think that he just really brings a lot to it, uh, that, uh, other actors might not. Yeah. I think the range that he, like for the most, most of it, he's just like very like quiet and stoic, but he does demonstrate a, a range and it's not just him doing very little. Like he is in, in those moments, it feels like he's doing very little, but like when he, turns it on when Musashi is like in a different mental state. Mm-hmm. It is very obvious. And like, we just keep talking about the physicality of him during those duels um, is just super impressive. Well, uh, well V who was your recipient for the uh, coveted Takashi Shima award? Uh, that's going to be Koji Tsuruta. Um, nice. Mm. Uh, I, I think this is influenced a lot by how much I like Kojiro Sasaki as a character. Um, I normally don't really like this archetype uh, in most stories, the kind of like better than you rival. Mm-hmm. But uh, Kojiro specifically has like, he is, he is the hot shot. Like I, I'm good and I know I'm good. Uh, I deserve praise, but he is still like, he, he is not uh, that much of, I guess, a shithead compared to a lot of that <laughs> archetype and things like he is. He is very handsome. He is charming. Uh, he is he is funny and like just really likable. 
um, I think he works as such a great foil to Musashi, both because Musashi is so serious and dour a lot of the time, yeah. uh, which contrasts well. But uh, like like you were talking about earlier, Kojiro is in this for the glory and the station. Um, and he's not like he's not super cutthroat about it, but he he knows and respects Musashi like he follows him around watching. He knows him by reputation, but he actually sees him and is impressed and is like proud of him. Basically, like he wants to work with this guy, mm-hmm. but ultimately he wants to fight him to make his own name so he can get a so he can have a lord that he works for. Like he's lamenting at the beginning of part three that uh, he is apologizing to his sword for not having uh, uh, anyone to fight. Uh, because he is he ha- he is a Ronin, and his, his goal is to fight Musashi so he can get that glory and station that he knows he deserves with his skill. Um, but yeah, just when Saruta portrays that character so well, like I said, when the when he meets Toji on the bridge, just the like uh, he is he he projects that he is both very charming and very dangerous. And I, I, I just love that dichotomy. Uh, when he first meets up with Akimi, there is the uh, he, he does grab at her in a threatening way and then backs off and is like, haha, I'm joking unless yeah. um, which is kind of gross. But then the two of them like get along together and hang out together for a while. And Saruta is just like charm and look in this movie is is captivating in a way that like Mifune is captivating in this movie like the fierceness when you look at him but the uh the happiness and serenity in uh in Saruta's face is just like I don't know I love it yeah um, and it, it reminds me of uh I can't remember his name. The uh, the red scabbard from One Piece. Denjiro. Yes. The the one that uh, that aggroed so hard, his hair turned color, <laughs> <laughs> and his face changed. Yeah, yeah he does have yeah. a similar quality. That's interesting. But yeah, that kind of like slick, charming, uh, gr- like the kind of person that will grin when he's about mm-hmm. to kill you. Mm-hmm. I like that. Wow. You know, you both made such great cases for the two uh, leads. Um, I feel like I have to break a tie. Uh, so <laughs> um, my choice is going to be drawing pole, the, uh, the oh, sword nice. of, you know, <laughs> that's the other thing. I really love a Nodachi and just like, uh, I hate that it makes me like Sephiroth more that he has one. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's it's a very important uh, check in the in the side for Kutcher for you, me. But continue. Would you, would you really call Sephiroth's uh, Masamune a uh, Inodachi though? It's like more of a no, no, I no, mean, no, te- no, Dachi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 much better. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm kidding, kind of. Um, but I do want to talk about his sword a little bit because. Um, when you first see it, it's this really bright blue, like a cerulean. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or like a lapis. I don't know. I was watching Devil Wears Prada the other day. So I'm like, oh man, look at all these different words for blue. Um, <laughs> but it's a bright blue sword. And it's very, very uh, like, I wonder how, in, uh, if it was uh, Inagaki's intent to make it uh, such a striking looking sword. Um, because the moment you see somebody with it, like the moment you see uh, Sasaki, like, you know, it's him because of the sword. Mm -hmm. Um, and every time you see Sasaki, he's got the sword and I like, oh, there's the sword again. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I have an obsession with, with drying pole. Like it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's like when you have a black and white comic, but you only color one thing red, mm. you know, it's yeah. like that. That's that's sort of how it feels to me, despite the fact that there are so many different colors in this movie or in these movies. And um, I don't know. I just I, I really uh, I really enjoy drawing pole as a, as <laughs> as the recipient for my Takashi Shimura word. I it's really hard for me to pick between the two. I'll be honest. Um, I was going to say uh, on, on on the other hand, um, rather than talk about. Uh, either of them more because I agree with both of you, but, um, I'd like to uh, throw a Kemi in there too. Mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. I think that she really makes you feel for her. Uh, like I know that like everything sucks for Otsu was what we called, uh, the first movie. <laughs> um, but really everything sucks for a Kemi, um, by comparison. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, uh, the shot of um, Akemi confronting um, her mother, um, she doesn't even mean to say anything. Her face plus the lighting of the shot conveys like so much. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, I think it, it it's like it, you sort of do feel for her, even though she's out to basically you know kill otsu and every once in a while i thought like come on girl move on like you know move yeah. on work. You're, she's <laughs> he's spoken for but like i don't know i think that all that coupled with her her death scene i really um uh, her her um her roller really left an impression on me um so yeah i thought she was great too um, but uh, back to drawing pole for a second. Uh, <laughs> one thing I, I did wrote that, write this down um, right after I wrote down that Sasaki has a butt cut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he does his haircuts. It's a butt cut. Um, <laughs> um, it looks better when he has it up. Yes. I, I wrote down that it also sucks that they off screened uh, Denshichiro's fate because I thought that would have been cool. Um, uh, I believe. Uh, Gosh, I wish I wrote down who said that, who says this, but I think, uh, I think it, I think it was Musashi who says this, you make unreasonable demands, but, uh, but the sword may refuse or yeah, something like that. Um, and I think whenever, whenever somebody personifies a sword and saying, oh, like, I think Zoro, like one of my favorite Zoro lines in one piece is, um, my sword hungers or it's thirsty for blood or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like a line like that, I find so incredibly badass when like you refer to your sword as a, uh, as an entity that is alive. Um, and I think Sasaki did say this about drawing pole. I need to, I wish I, I wish I wrote this down, like who said this, but I thought it was, uh, mm. 
I, th- I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I think this is right after um, he cuts his top knot off. Hmm. Uh, the one guy's top knot off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, the uh, an interesting thing is like that's it. it it's been a while since I've read the book, so or the book, so this might be incorrect. But in my mind, in my recollection of the book, uh, drawing pole actually does like get a lot of very high billing. Like whenever Sasaki is fighting with anybody, like the author seems in awe at how <laughs> big this sword is and the like crazy advantage it gives Sasaki and how strong he has to be to to be able to wield that sword with the agility that he does. Um, and I think they talk less about it. They do. They still talk about the sword a decent bit in the film, but like the films just visually gives you a lot of that, like presence mm-hmm. of the sword uh, to where, when he's, when uh, Musashi is on the boat uh, carving his own book in uh, out of an oar, you're like, yeah, that thing is long as hell. You need something <laughs> that long to fight him back with. And like it, it, it makes that choice from Musashi make a lot of sense. It's so funny that he's doing it then though. Like you didn't think to do this earlier. <laughs> uh, in, in the book and in the history, uh, he intentionally showed up late to that duel, mm. uh, mostly to let, uh, which is something that he did a lot of the time was show up late. So his to basically piss off and throw off his, his opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in real life, he probably was like, do a couple more laps of the Island while I work on this. <laughs> Got something to take care of. Yeah. yeah. So I guess, I guess drawing pole is a, is a fine, sure. Fine choice, <laughs> but I did want to bring up an actual human. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, any final thoughts? Uh, just as like, uh, he didn't steal the show or anything, but I really like the, the first sword polishing guy that, uh, mm. Sashi goes to, mm. uh, which that's an, another drawing pole cameo. Um, when he gets to the second <laughs> one, uh, but the, the first guy he shows, he shows up at the, with a sign that says, I polish samurai souls. Yeah. Uh, that sign is really cool to begin with. Yeah. Um, but I just like the way he talks to Musashi and his attitude. And when he turns him away and when he comes back, he's like, he, he is like, Oh, you showed humility to me. I am, I am now kind to you. Um, but just him teaching Musashi that lesson. I liked his little mini character. Yeah. I like that too. A whole lot. Yeah. I like that. There's many characters that uh, Musashi can learn from. <laughs> Give, gives him little lessons. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is now a, a drawing pole fan cast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is the um, uh, drawing pod is what we're going to be calling drawing it. Drawing pod. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will suggest that if, uh, if any listeners have not seen these movies and want to watch them, you should probably watch them. Maybe not back to back, but probably within the same week. Uh, because this, the pacing of this is way less like say star Wars and more like a serialized TV show almost. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say it's the, definitely the, what do they say? The, the sum is greater than the, it's smaller parts or whatever. Uh, it is, it, it, 
I think as a series, uh, I I like it a lot more than I like any of the individual films. Definitely. Yeah. I think it works together as a as a whole really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Uh, watch this all in one day, everybody. Let's see. <laughs> Uh, spend in, instead just, of watching just set aside like five or six hours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's no different from binging a bunch of episodes of TV show or watching one Lord of the Rings movie. True. So, <laughs> it's no different. Um, yeah, I was really, I, I'm really happy to have watched these again. Uh, and, uh, honestly having, having seen many other samurai movies since then, I, I really do. Um, I really do appreciate everything that went into this movie and how it's shot. And, and that final battle is still really, really dope after all these years. So, um, yeah, what, what, a uh, what, a what, a what a bunch of movies. Um, and speaking of movies, uh, what do we got going on next time V? Well, uh, Minovsky article on Twitter, Casey's got me all asked up about detective fiction lately. Uh, and so <laughs> we will be doing, Kon Ichikawa's 1976 version of the Inugami family. Oh, awesome. For some murder mystery. I like it. Yeah. Uh, This is not available uh, licensed in the West, but it is uh, accessible, let's say. Mm. Great. (laughs) Make sure to access it at some point. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, well, in that vein, V, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Friskachat, B-R-I-S-K-A-C-H-A-T. You can also find my horror Twitter, uh, Lurks in Shadow, which I was watching a movie every day for October, a horror movie. Uh, but that kind of got derailed by real life stuff. Uh, but I'm so about a week off, but I will be back up and running with it. Uh, some some real interesting stuff this year. Nice. Super. Uh, and as always, you can find me on Twitter at dude exclamation, all one word. You can listen to me every week on the one piece podcast. If you're a patron of the one piece podcast, you get an extra special bonus gift every month. Me and Steve Yurko, uh, my co-host will, uh, be covering the four kids, uh, era of one piece in forced to watch four kids. Uh, we've done four episodes <laughs> as of this recording. It's really been great actually. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, apparently educational for those who had never watched it and <laughs> educational for me too because I've gotten to the point where I, I am watching brand new stuff I've never seen um, <laughs> and it's really really bad <laughs> um, please also uh, go to twitch.tv slash superartfight we're going to be doing a seasonal format and I'm going to be in about two episodes this season so check that out uh, twitch.tv slash superartfight also go to witdc.org um, and check out our on-demand shows. Um, if you check out sequels from the vault, uh, that is a show that I help direct and sometimes, um, play in and sometimes host, uh, it's basically a bunch of improvisers who have never seen a classic movie get to improvise the sequel to it. Uh, Toho Yara listeners might be interested in one of those episodes as it, uh, is a, never before I seen sequel to Godzilla um, in, in which I play host. So. Why didn't they make any sequels of that one? It was pretty good. <laughs> oh no, this is, this is a never before seen sequel. Oh, okay. Joey. Excellent. Is, I, I, I do mention as a, as the host, like, Oh yeah, there's a bunch of, a bunch of sequels. <laughs> anyway, Jerry, where can people find you? 
Uh, I'm at Joey Weiser on Twitter, uh, where I talk about movies and comics and all sorts of stuff. Um, or Joey Weiser Comics on Instagram, um, <clears throat> where I mostly post my art. Uh, keep that one pretty focused on uh, my illustration and graphic novel work. You can read the five book graphic novel series Merman or the new self contained uh, graphic novel Ghost Hog. Um, and uh, and check out, uh, you know, links to my websites and stuff are, are off of those where you can read some samples and some short full comics online and stuff, too. Um, yeah. And um, as for the podcast, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Toho Yaro, where we tweet about any Japanese movie news, um, be it like releases in the West or what's coming out in Japan or any uh, interesting uh, Japanese film tidbits that we might run across as well as information about our new episodes and uh you could like us on facebook and message us there uh if you'd prefer or email us at tohoyara gmail.com so please like us and uh subscribe us and do all that stuff um and check us out next episode for the inugami family宮本武蔵の生涯を通じて最大の決闘とも言えよう宿命の敵佐々木小次郎との対決それは岩流島の決闘であるエイタツも恋も有根な武蔵の剣の前には虚しく消え去っていくしかし誰か知る武蔵の
いずれにしてもそなたの心の中に俺という人間が終生忘れられぬように。の岩流島に対決する武蔵と小次郎ギラギラと輝く波祭に死の決闘が続いて。